this morning our topic is temptation. Temptation. It means to try, to prove, to be put to the test. In Hebrew, its origin can be traced to uh, the world of assay, that is, analyzing metals to determine their purity. The test for us today, when it comes to the idea of temptation, is what are we going to choose? Because the word today has come to mean an allurement to sin. So what are we going to choose? What are we going to do? Take your Bibles with me and let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at a few verses as we work our way to our text in Hebrews this morning. Genesis chapter 3. Let's read some verses that talk about temptation. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Actually, let's not. I'll come back to that in a minute. Let's jump over to um, John chapter 2. I beg your pardon. We'll, we'll do Matthew in just a moment. All right, I want to change the order that these verses are in. John, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Sorry about that confusion. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the love of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, excuse me, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And once you find Matthew chapter 6, I want you to go to Matthew 26. Okay? We're going to do these two right close to each other. So keep your finger in 6. Go to Matthew 26. Look at what it says in Matthew 26, verse 41. Jesus said to his disciples, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew chapter 6, in the midst of that Lord's prayer, the Lord taught his, his disciples to, prayer, to pray. In verse 13 it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
or other versions say, do not bring us to temptation. Don't let us yield to temptation. And then finally, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able, but will, with that temptation, he will provide a way to escape also, so that you may be able to endure it. We clearly, clearly have some issues to sort through here when it comes to temptation. The Bible does not present temptation as something that may happen. The Bible presents something, temptation as something that will happen. It's a guarantee. The Bible talks about temptation in very clear terms. It uses the phrases in 1 John of lust of the, of the eyes and lust of the flesh. It talks about the fact that we should pray that we would not enter into temptation. We should pray that the Lord would keep us away from that. It talks about the fact that, the, that the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We read at the very beginning that, she, that, that the woman looked and she saw that it was desirable and good to eat, and she took it and she ate. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. We see in these passages that we looked at that the temptation comes from within, it says. That there it is. It's not God's doing. He's not doing it to us, but it comes from within, the Bible says. But the Bible also says that there is not a temptation that is known to man that is not known to man. In other words, everything you're tempted with, other people have been tempted with before. And it says that you will never face a temptation that God hasn't provided a way for you to escape that temptation. This is some pretty serious stuff. This is quite a subject. As we go through and read about temptations in the scriptures here and there, we find out that there are a lot of things that we need to sort through. There are a lot of issues with this thing. It is a fact. It is a way of life, even for and especially for the believer. That's just the way it is. You will battle and you will face temptation from now until the day you are done living on this earth. That's a given. The really, really, really good news is that you're not alone in that battle. You don't have to face that battle all by yourself. Go to Hebrews chapter 2, which is where we find ourselves in our study of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. In verse 18, an incredibly wonderful verse. Hebrews 2.18, it says this, For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Not only did Jesus live a sinless life on this earth so that he could save us, but Jesus Christ lived the life that he lived on this earth, a sinless life, a perfect life, so that he could sympathize with us. So that he could come to our aid. We are not in this battle alone. We do not have to struggle and do this all by ourselves. It is an interesting, fascinating phrase 
that Paul uses in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm just going to briefly read this. It's verse 8. He simply says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. It's as if when Paul writes that, he is saying to Timothy, and he wants us to understand, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. He's the one that is alive today. But he also says in that verse, he's a descendant of David. What it seems that Paul is telling Timothy is this, remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, wherever you find yourself, whatever situation arises, whatever befalls you, remember that your struggle, the struggle that you have, is not a struggle that your Lord is unfamiliar with. He gets it. He understands it. He was a descendant of David. And he struggled also. Notice that, or remember that you can always pray. You can always say, Lord, I know what you, you know what I'm feeling right now. You know what I'm facing right now. You know the battle I am struggling with right now. And Lord, I need you and your strength and your mighty power in my life to accomplish some great things in me as I am struggling with this temptation right now. That's what Hebrews 2.18 is all about. That's what it says throughout the New Testament in many different places. In, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, it says, For he himself, since he himself was tempted, in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted because he's gone through it. As the great high priest that, that is going to be expanded more here as we begin looking at chapter 3, as the great high priest, he is able to say to those that he loves, I know what you feel. I know what you're going through. I understand your battle. And folks, we need to understand that that is absolutely the truth. He knows what you are battling. He knows how you're feeling. He knows that struggle right now. Flip on over to Hebrews chapter 4. And look at what it says in verses 14 through 16. Just remarkable verses. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Don't waver. Don't be weak. Don't give up because we have Jesus as our great high priest. But it goes on. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. There, there at one time could have been a high priest that could have been talking to somebody else and that person could have said, you know, I'm really struggling in this area. And that high priest says, I don't have any idea what that's like. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't, I've never struggled like that. But Jesus struggled in all things like we did. It goes on and it says that he, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. All right, you need, to, you need to focus in on this verse, on this phrase, and you need to believe this with all of your heart. That this high priest, this Jesus, is one who sympathizes with our weakness because he was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Okay, hold fast to your confession, hang in there, knowing that, that what you believe and what you confess and what you say truth is, hold on to that because you have a high priest that understands your struggle. 
You have a high priest that gets what's going on. You have a high priest that has been tempted in all things like we have. All your weaknesses, all your natural limitations, all your issues of humanity. Jesus experienced every one of those things as well because he was human. He had every battle and can identify as we can. How did he do that, you say? How did that come to pass? We'll see that a little bit fuller in a moment, but the way it came to pass is because of what 1 John says, is that all sin can be put in that category of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All sin fits into those three categories. Every single sin will fit into one of those categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so because all sin falls into that, Jesus, who endured all sorts of difficulties on his earth, and more, we'll see that in just a moment, he can say, I understand. I struggle with lust of the flesh. I struggle with lust of the eyes. I struggle with pride of life. I struggled with seeing something and wanting it. I struggled with that thing that would be a shortcut and make me feel good about things. I struggled with the fact that I could have some things and not go through the battles and the struggles. I struggled with those things, Jesus says. You need to believe with all of your heart that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he's on this earth, struggled with those things, that he can identify with you. If you do not believe that he struggled with those in his humanity, you will not believe that he can identify with you, and you won't go to him for help. In fact, what you'll do is you'll say, Lord, you've put me in a no-win situation. You don't know what it's like down here. You don't know how hard it is. You don't know what the struggles are like. But because of what he did and because of what the Bible says, and we believe the Bible is true, we can go to him and say, Lord, I know you know what it's like. I know you know what I'm feeling right now. I know you know what I'm struggling with right now. And one of the problems that we have in life as we deal with temptation is we don't stop and do that and have that conversation. Lord, I am really struggling right now, but I know you know what that's like. I know you know what that's like. And there may be some out there there saying, Kent, really? Come on. We're not going to take time to do it, but in Matthew chapter 26, as we read that incredible chapter about him praying before he went to the cross, the Bible says that he sweat great drops of blood. You ever agonized over anything like that? Have you been tempted to that degree? Not a chance. His agony was real. His temptation was real. And he went through every one of those, the Bible says in verse 15 of Hebrews 4, yet without sin. Never gave in to that thought. Never gave in to that feeling. Never gave in to that temptation. Without sin. This is a basic basic teaching and truth of Christianity that we need to understand and embrace with all of our hearts. That Jesus Christ in his humanity went through everything that we go through and he did not sin. If we do not believe that, 
we are going to struggle with the fact that the Bible says he's our high priest that can identify with us. If we do not believe that, we're going to struggle with the fact that we're going to come to grips with, as I said a moment ago, we're going to get mad at God and say, you've put me in a no-win situation, God. You've said, I can't overcome this. I can't, and you don't know what it's like. But that's not how it is, because the Lord says, I do know what it's like. I do know what it's like. This is one of those areas where we need to believe the truth of the Scripture, and we need to embrace it. Look at what it says as it goes on in this passage in verse 16. Therefore, because of that, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because he went through those things, we can draw near to him with confidence. We can come to the throne of grace, and we can receive the mercy, and we can find the grace that we need to help us in our time of need. But as I have said a lot, a phrase I use that we need to all use in our life is that we need to invite God into our temptation. We need to, when we're being tempted, is is exactly when we need to be running to God. We don't need to be avoiding God and hiding from God. It's, It's when we're being tempted that we need to run to God. God, here's my battle right now. Here it is, and you've said that you understand. You've said that you've gone through what I've gone through. you said you feel what I feel, and you have said that if I come to you, you will give me grace, and you will give me peace, and you will give me some hope, and you will, it says right there, give me the mercy I need to endure this thing. Lord, I need that from you. I need that. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians, a passage that you know quite well that says something along those same lines. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know this passage. You know this chapter. Paul had just been uh, transported to heaven in an amazing way. He didn't even understand how it worked. And he was transported into heaven, and he saw some things that he couldn't even talk about. They were so amazing and so remarkable that he couldn't even talk about them. Okay, and it says that in there, that he was caught up, and, 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 and it says in verse 7, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given a thorn to me, a messenger from Satan, to keep me from exalting myself. In other words, so that Paul wouldn't think that he was the greatest person on the face of the earth and didn't think that he had it all together where everybody else who didn't have a vision of heaven wasn't quite good enough, the Lord allowed him to have this issue. To remind him that you're just like everybody else, Paul. Well, anyway, concerning this thing, the Bible says, Paul says, I prayed three times that it might be removed. I prayed over and over again that it might be removed. Now, you would think if there was a man on this earth whose prayers would be answered, it would be the Apostle Paul. What the Bible says is this, verse 9, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I go to this passage to say that the Lord has said, you will receive grace and power when you need it for the issue at hand, if you ask. Is it easy? No. Does it continue to be a battle? It does. But the Bible says that you'll get this grace. You'll get this power. You'll have God flowing through you in some amazing ways 
who will help you do what you ought to do. You are not alone. Go back to Hebrews 2.18. You are not alone in this battle. You have the hope, help from God so that you can deal with these temptations in the right way. So, in chapter 2, verse 18, for since he himself was tempted in that which he was suffered, he was able to come to the aid. He was tempted, it says over in verse 4, he was tempted in all things like we are. And I, 1 John 2, 16, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. A commentary, F.F. Bruce has said this about Jesus Christ, and I thought it was, it was worth reading to you this morning. He said this, he endured keen trials and temptations himself. Not only the trials incidental to our human lot, but those subtle temptations which attended his messianic calling. Time and time again, the temptation came to him from many directions to choose some less costly way of fulfilling that calling than the way of suffering and death. But he resisted to the end, and he set his face steadfastly to accomplish the purpose for which he had come into the world. We need to be reminded every once in a while that the great temptation for Jesus Christ was to not do what he did. He was tempted in a lot of other ways, but that great temptation throughout his life was to not do what he did. That's what that battle in the garden was all about. Lord, if there's any other way, but not my will, yours. And he sweat great drops of blood, not for his grief, but for ours. If there's any other way, Lord, let it be done. Were his temptations real? You better believe they were real. And they were powerful. And never, 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 never once did he sin. Not once. Therefore, he is able and willing to help you out. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4 and let's look at this practical passage of Scripture that talks about the temptation of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4. It says this, Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he said to him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and in their hands he will bear you up so that they will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him into a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall love the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began ministering to him. In this particular passage, we see Jesus Christ being tempted in real ways with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's all right here. Here it is. And he was being tempted to take a shortcut, to not do it the way the Father laid out. Does that sound familiar? 
That's one of the great temptations of our life. Take a shortcut. Do it this way. Don't go through the path of suffering. Don't go through the path of difficult things. But take that shortcut. Do the easy way. Take the easy way out. That was one of the great temptations here. Take the easy way out, Jesus. And he said, I won't do it. I want you to notice a couple of incredibly important things here. The first thing I want you to notice is that Satan knows Scripture. When the devil was tempting Jesus Christ, the way that he tempted him was with Scripture. So the second thing you notice from that is that Jesus knew Scripture and came back to him with Scripture. Because here's what Satan's going to do with that Scripture that he throws at you. He's going to twist it. He's going to change it. He's going to rearrange it. Okay? And we see that even all the way back in the garden that, that, that when, when they were having their conversation about, about everything and, and after they had sinned, it, 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 that it was set out and it said that of all the fruit of the garden, we've been, or before they sinned, excuse me, it, it was we cannot eat or touch it. Well, it was just eat. They were adding to the rules of God right away. It was changing what God had said, changing it just a little bit to make God look like more of a killjoy. That's what goes on on a regular basis. Bible is very clear here that Satan knows Scripture, but the Bible is very clear that Jesus came back with Scripture. You had better know Scripture. So what did Jesus do? He dealt with the temptation with the words, it is written. It is written. It is written. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This is the passage of Scripture that talks about the armor of God. The armor of God. And it says this. In Ephesians 6, the armor of God, we get all the way down to verse 16. It says, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And I have explained this before and I've gone through this. I am convinced that the shield of faith that is being talked about here is knowing scripture. It is knowing and understanding scripture. It is the Bible says. So the, 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 the flaming arrow comes toward us. From the evil one. And that, that flaming arrow is uh, steel. Take that thing. Take it. Nobody will know. Nobody will care. Steel. But we put up our shield of faith. And our shield of faith says, I won't do that because the Bible says you shouldn't steal. And that flaming arrow comes and it says, it says attack back. Be mean. Say vicious things to that person. The Bible says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, loving them. The Bible says, use your words only for edification. I won't do that. I put that shield up, and it stops that flaming arrow. The shield that you have that you should use, the shield of faith, is believing the word of God is true. you got to know it in order to do it. Jesus said, it is written. Our shield of faith is, it is written. The Bible will work when we deal with temptation, it truly will. And we need to practice this on a regular basis. It is written. So real quickly, let's, let's do a few more things here real quick. We're almost done. Let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 10, a verse that we read. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 
a verse that I'm sure many of you have memorized over the years. But let's note what it says. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common man. In other words, what you are experiencing is what everybody else has experienced. You are not alone. You are not unique. You are not special. Okay? Your temptation is not, you cannot say, well, God, the reason I sinned was because it was, it was such an overwhelming temptation. I'm sure nobody had ever faced anything like that before, and, you know, I didn't know what to do. No, tons of people have faced that before. Okay? One of the reasons why the body of Christ is so important that we talk to one another, we, 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 we spend time with one another, and we say, you know, I am really struggling in this area. And, and you'd be surprised how many people say, yeah, I've struggled there too. Yeah. We're all the same. We're all the same boat in that respect. No temptation. No temptation is overtaken you, but such is the common man. But God is faithful, and notice this, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. Now, we're talking about temptations here. We're talking about temptation. We're talking about that, that, that urge, that desire, that pull to sin. And, and, and the Bible says that God will never allow you to be put in a, bo- in a situation where you are unable to say no. Is it easy to always say no? No. Sometimes it's an incredible battle. Over in Titus we read this verse, but the Holy Spirit has been given us and it is in the Spirit and He has been given to us teaching us to say no. There's a lot of yielding that needs to go on in my life. There's a lot of things that we'll deal with in just a minute that need to go into my life to help me say no. But the Bible says that that temptation will never be overwhelming to such a way that I can't say no. But it also says, but with that temptation, God will provide a way to escape. You are never, never, never put into a no-win situation with God. Never. 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 You have the ability to say no. You have the ability to say to escape by the power of the Holy Spirit at work inside of you. And you have the scriptures and your shield of faith. It is written. It is written. And then at the end of verse 13 it says, so that you may be able to endure it. I love the fact that that the Bible admits that that's going to be a difficult thing for you. You can endure it. You can do it. You can make it. Is it easy? No, it's incredibly hard sometimes. But you can do it. Why? Because indeed greater is you, he who is in you than he that is in the world. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says in verse 22, Now flee from youthful lust, then pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. You know, one of the, one of the most important things that we can know about dealing with temptation is that we need to be fleeing from it. We need to flee from it. You know, a lot of times if we'll, if we'll notice that temptation and that we'll talk to God about that and invite God into that temptation we will have plenty of time and ability to flee from that temptation before it ever gets overwhelming. And the Bible says that what we need to be doing in our life is we need to be fleeing from those lusts and then we need to be pursuing righteousness and faith and love and peace. I want to ask you a question. Are you consumed with fleeing from those things and pursuing those things? Because as a believer, that's where we need to be. We need to be consumed with fleeing and pursuing 
might shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I would remind you of Matthew chapter 26, where Jesus was with, was with his disciples, and they were in the garden, and he says, pray that you will not enter into temptation. The, the, flesh, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray. Pray. So you're going to deal with temptation. You're going to face it on a regular basis. What, in, in real practical terms, here's some, some things we need to understand. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 16, 14 through 16. He understands. He's been there. He never did sin. He never gave in. He's there to sympathize with you, and he's there to help you. He has said that you need to be praying. You need to be praying that that flesh that is weak would be strong. Spirit's strong, but that flesh is weak. You need to be praying that temptation will not be an issue for you and that you will not enter into temptation. You need to understand that there is a way to escape. You need to understand that you need to be fleeing. By and large, the Bible says that you deal with temptation using the Word of God, using prayer, and using the flee. That's how you deal with temptation. That's how it's laid out. It is there. It will not go away. It will be there forever. But aren't you just thrilled to know in that the Lord has dealt with it for us? He has said, here, here, let me lay this out for you. Let me lay this out for you. Okay? Now let me end by just saying this. And, and this is the hardest thing, and I didn't read any verse that talked about this yet. Here it is. You ready? Here's one of the all-time great keys for what we as believers need to do in order to deal with that temptation. We got to want to not to. I need to want to not to. And you know what my great issue in my life is way too often? I want to. Because the flesh is weak. I need to make a determination right here, right now. Lord, I don't want to. Right now when you're not dealing with that temptation, Lord, I don't want to. I want to be done with that thing. I want to approach that thing differently. And when that thing hits and when that happens, here's how I'm going to handle it. I'm going to have a plan. I'm going to memorize some verses about that. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to invite you into that temptation. And I'm going to set up some things in my life so that I can flee from that before I even come face to face with that thing. Here it is. Way too many of us, way too many of us take that temptation for a walk and we're walking with it side by side and we think, I'm strong enough to do it. I won't do it. No, you're not. You will do it. The Bible doesn't say go for a walk with temptation. The Bible says flee from temptation. And if we're going to deal with temptation, if we're going to beat temptation, if we're going to be who we need to be, we need to understand that this is a serious, 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 serious battle. But we have some great, serious, fantastic, wonderful help in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the way scriptures has laid it out for us in memorizing the word of God and in praying and the ability to flee and run and get away from that thing. Boy, temptation's a battle, isn't it? It's always there, always there. But the writer of Hebrews has said, this great high priest, he can help us. He can make it. So that you don't have to, so that you don't, so that you can shine for him in some amazing way.